Assalamualaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope, and we just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Today's guest is Tasha Digital. We're going to be talking about living that remote life. Now, I know some of you educators out there are probably like myself. After a while, you go, man, could we go to a four-day work week? Or better yet, could I just work from home? And so she wrote an article uh, that I saw uh, last year about that life. And I was like, wow, this is cool. And I asked her to be on the show. And we're finally getting that together. So I wanted her to drop some gems to educate you on uh, what's out there, uh, what the life could be like, and how you could possibly prepare yourself to live that remote life working. Uh, so for those who will be listening on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, will you please introduce yourself? Hi. Thanks for having me, Dr. Will. My name is Tasha Digital. I am a marketing strategist, web designer, branding strategist, a music historian, a mom to a six-year-old boy. Um, I wear a lot of hats day to day. So I'm excited to be here. So what do you think that you would be doing when you were growing up? And what drew you to entrepreneurship and the remote life? When I was growing up, I used to... Well, I had access to a computer when I was about 12 years old, so in middle school. And I used the Encyclopedia Britannica CD, CD-ROM disc to find out more information to write my school reports. And I would type them up on the computer, design the covers for them, and I would get A's for that. Looking back, I don't know if I got an A because the paper was just good or was it the presentation? At the time, my peers were designing and writing their papers out by hand, and I was submitting it electronically. Um, so I guess you can say I knew from an early age what I was really good at. Um, I've been working since I was 12 years old, which sounds a little crazy, but I come from a small town called Malvern in New York, and it's right outside of New York City, actually, about 30 minutes outside of Manhattan. And uh, our community is pretty small. Mount Vernon is about four square miles. So I worked at a real estate office for a broker that my family knew. And he hired me for one hour after school, and I would go and type up memos and run errands to the post office and mail out postcards and things like that. So I guess you could say I've been doing designing and writing and marketing since I was about 12 years old. You know, um, did I see it as a career back then? Not really. I wasn't really thinking that far ahead, but uh, now I'm 36 and this is what I've been doing professionally for the last 15 years. So it's been good to me. (laughs) So a lot of folks, myself included, you know, you, you have that dream of possibly working from home and you hear about people working from home and you're, you get excited and you're thinking, man, you know, they're on the beach somewhere or they're on a cafe or, or maybe in their backyard on the patio and they have a, a Coca iced tea or something 
on the computer just working away. Uh, if you will, please paint us a reality of what it actually looks like when someone is working remotely. Mm -hmm. That is the reality, what you just described. Um, that's exactly what it is. Uh, right now, I have a full-time day job and I have been working remotely for the last two weeks. I just started in June. You know, I was on site for about a month and a half training showing and proving my skills because I knew that the possibility to work remotely would present itself. So here we are <laughs> and it's right in the middle of summer. So um, I've had a chance to travel uh, to visit my family and work remotely from wherever I have Wi-Fi access. It's super convenient. I still get my work done and you know, my, my peers and my manager, they trust me. And on the side, I also run my own marketing business. So working remotely allows me the flexibility to do all of these things. Um, if I'm working from home and I decide not to go to a cafe that day, I can do my laundry or I can get started on dinner before my son gets home from camp. It just allows me more flexibility to take care of my life responsibilities in between meeting deadlines, you know? So how does someone know if they have the temperament or the mindset to work remotely? Uh, what qualities should someone have before they pursue working that remote life? Yes, working remotely is not for everyone, um, especially if you feel like you need to be around people every day. Maybe you should go to an office or a co-working space. Um, some of my other Friends who are also entrepreneurs, they, they're working remotely by default, but we, sometimes we have work dates. We'll meet up at a cafe and we'll get our work done. We'll share a meal, some coffee or tea, catch up, but meet our deadlines at the same time. It's great. You get to choose who you want to work with. But um, working remotely, you need to have discipline to still meet your deadlines. Working remotely does not mean that you're off from work. <laughs> you, I still have to respond to emails. I still have to show up in our uh, video chats, our group meetings, our conference calls. I still have to do my work. I'm just doing it from the place that I want to do it from that day, you know? So what kind of jobs are available for people? Are, are we talking about freelance or uh, contracted gigs or are people working with actual companies full-time with benefits? Um, well, I'm doing it full-time with benefits, um, but I am balancing my time between the office and working remotely as well. Um, for instance, my, my current job, uh, the office is under construction so there's a hole in the ceiling above my desk. I can't really sit there. So when I do go there, I have to sit somewhere else or there's really not room for, for me to be there. So I'm at an advantage right now where I am working remotely a lot more than I normally would probably. Um, but as far as opportunities that are out there, I'm in marketing, I'm in digital marketing. So um, there are a lot of 
full-time jobs um, that are not that easy to get, you kind of have to show them a stunning portfolio. And I'm talking about a marketing strategy that you've done, a social media campaign, an editorial calendar, um, any type of visual examples you can send of your work with your resume will get you noticed, will get you an interview at least, a foot in the door. Um, and there are plenty of freelance opportunities to work remotely, whether you're in marketing or another field. There are job search sites out there. Um, there's one in particular called we, WeWorkRemotely.com. Um, and even if you search a regular job site like Indeed, they will tell you whether the job is remote or not. You can just search for the word remote and those jobs will come up or you'll see jobs that say no remote workers. <laughs> so um, the opportunities are abound, but like I said, they're not easy to get. It helps to know someone and it helps to have a stunning portfolio of your work. So what kind of schedule should someone expect except for themselves when they're working remotely how should they organize their space and, and their life uh, and deal with distractions of having the freedom to not have to show up well I can tell you what works for me um, I have different rooms in my apartment for work um, I have this table in my kitchen that serves as a dining room table and also my workspace. Um, it's, it's higher up. It has like high chairs um, that I can sit at, which are more comfortable for me. That's the appeal of going to a cafe, sitting higher up. It's just better for back support for me. And I just enjoy that. So I created that at home. I also have um, an office space uh, right inside of my living room it's like off to a corner so i can sit there and work or like i said i'll go to a cafe or anywhere that has free wi-fi and good food i'll be there um whole foods is great for that um they have a, an amazing hot bar of food where you can get something fresh to eat something healthy and you can sit there and use their wi-fi in the cafeteria space they have plenty of plugs to use um there are cafes out there that cater to people that work remotely and you'll know it as soon as you walk in, there's outlets all across the wall for you, mm. you know? So it's like, a, it's like it, it is what it says it is. It's a cafe, but it serves as a community workspace as well. The food and the drinks are a little bit higher because you're sitting there all day and they have to make some kind of money, you know, but I don't mind supporting those places because, um, they inspire me and that's, that's what I need. I need inspiration beyond the cubicle at the office. I, I'm never inspired there. <laughs> so what are some of the challenges you've seen or heard from people who work remotely and how does someone overcome the isolation of not being around people? Well, for me, I don't mind quiet. So I actually prefer it, you know, um, but the way to overcome that is to schedule work dates, meet up with people that also work remotely 
and, and also go into um, shared workspaces. You'll definitely get a chance to network and meet other people there. I would say about 10 years ago, um, I had just resigned from my news editor position. I was there for six years at PR Newswire and I had already started my marketing company. This is when social media really started to take off for businesses around 2010. And I was working out of the shared uh, co-working space in Midtown at Wix, Wix Wix.com. They had a shared workspace, free water, free coffee, free Wi-Fi. I met so many people there that I still work with to this day. You know, this was like before this, this was before WeWork, I'm assuming. I, I didn't hear about WeWork until a few years ago. I'm not sure how long they've been around, but these little co-working spaces started to pop up like before their time. And actually, one of my journalism professors, his name is Harry Burinius. He was my professor at Hunter College. He had this space called the Village Quill when I went there. And this was around like 2004. And it was exactly what I just described to you. There were cubes in there, outlets in each cube. You had to enter a code to get in. And as a member, you paid monthly for access to it between certain hours because he actually did live in the back of this co-working space. But he was truly ahead of his time because that's the world we live in right now. You know, so at the time he would have like other writers like himself. Um, He writes for the Christian Science Monitor. So he would have other writers come in there just to have a quiet space to get their work done. And now look where we are now. So let's get into developing an online business that allows someone to work from anywhere. How should an entrepreneur go about deciding which digital products or services to offer and what pitfalls should they avoid? Hmm, That's a good question. Um, I would start with doing some market research, understanding your industry, where it's headed, where it's been, Um, figuring out what makes your business different from what's already in the marketplace. Um, When I started Analog Media Group back in 2009, it was by accident. Um, I was at my acupuncturist office in New York City. And while I was sitting outside waiting for her to be done with a patient, I was on my BlackBerry tweeting. And at the time I had about 1500 followers. This is when Twitter really started to become more popular. So the woman that came out of her room was, she sat down next to me and she asked me like, well, what are you doing on your phone? And I told her I was tweeting and she asked me how many followers I had. And she was like, well, what are you selling? And I was like, I'm not selling anything. I'm just talking about music. And she was like, really? I need your help. (laughs) So um, she hired me. She has a market research company. And then she introduced me to all of her friends who also had businesses in Manhattan. One of them had a private school on the Upper East Side. um, And they needed more positive reviews online from their parents. Um, It was a private school. So I worked with her on that. She introduced me to another friend of hers who was hand painting furniture. She had an online store for it. 
So um, my friend and I pitched her products to a mommy blog. Well, several of them, and they all picked it up, you know, and we were just testing it out based on what we had learned at PR Newswire. And that's how we got our business started to the point where I said, hey, I'm making enough money to pay my bills. I'm going to quit my job. Um, and I've done that several times. I, I, well, I'm not even going to say that. That's the first job that I resigned from. But I will say in the last seven years, I've been laid off three times because of companies going out of business. Um, so having my business on the side has saved me. I've had some type of income. There were situations where I had just started working for a company and they went under and I wasn't eligible for unemployment. I was only there for two months, you know? So having my business and my clients on the side has saved me. When, I, when my son was born seven years ago, I couldn't get out as much. I couldn't go to events and network. I couldn't go to my co-working spaces like I used to. So I got on LinkedIn and I started updating my, sending out updated posts all the time. And that's how people knew what I was working on. That's how I got new clients. Uh, people were hip to LinkedIn early. It's only gotten better. Now people message me and send me business plans in, in the direct messenger on LinkedIn that you can send PDF files. So I've gotten white papers, business plans, like, hey, is this something that might interest you? I've really gotten clients that way. You know, so my online network has about over 10,000 people across each social media platform that I'm on. And that these are just people that I've either known in real life, I've attended three colleges, or people that I've just been connecting with online for the last 10 years since social media really took off. And, you know, these are people I chat with every day, even if it is small talk on Twitter. Like, these are people that end up coming to me later on, like, hey, I have a business idea. Can you help me? And just this week, I launched a, a product line for one of my Twitter friends, she reached out to me literally two weeks ago and I created her logo and she put it on product labels and we just launched on Tuesday. We did a soft launch. Wow. wow. Yeah. So I want to throw this out there to you about digital or, or a digital first strategy. There are a lot of companies, whether it's in media or others that even though digital is everywhere, they have failed to see it as a viable strategy for their company, which for some has resulted in them shutting the doors. And one in particular I'm thinking of is <clears throat> we're talking about news and newspapers where, you know, this, has been a pillar of our community. This paper is shutting down. And I'm wondering why is it still a paper and not in digital format as you see the New York Times and Washington Post are online and Blockbuster is gone because everyone is streaming now. What are your thoughts on these institutions, on these leaders not recognizing digital for what it is? Well, my background is also in publishing as well as media and marketing and communication. So I will say that uh, print is still alive. 
It's not thriving the way that it used to, but people are still buying print newspapers and they're still buying books. And guess what? More and more people are still buying vinyl records. I'm a vinyl record collector. And all of my friends are keeping the mom and pop vinyl record shops alive. We go digging for records. And right now, vinyl records are selling at 16 million copies a year, which doesn't sound like much. But in 2006, they were selling less than a million. So it's steadily climbing every year. So um, print is needed just as much as digital. I noticed uh, New York Times gives you about three free articles before they prompt you to subscribe. I think it's $2 a week. Then you have The Economist and The Wall Street Journal who completely shut down their online content. You have to buy it. Um, luckily, my job subscribes to all of these publications, so I haven't had to um, pay for them yet. Um, but transitioning to digital is tough. I do come across a lot of business owners that want to tap into the digital market, but they don't understand it. So a lot of my work involves consulting and educating. I have webinars that I conduct with clients, showing them how to use different platforms. We connect on video chat and I share my screen and walk them through different digital platforms. Right now I have clients in other states and other countries that I've never met face to face. They're referred to me through mutual friends or online friends and they trust me and we've been working together. But um, again, there's an education component to bridging the gap between a digital world and a non-digital world. Um, and, and luckily, I've been blessed to come across people who are just willing to learn how to navigate this new field. Um, my grandmother is 79 years old. She has an iPad. She has a desktop um, Apple computer, uh, she has an iPhone, and she knows how to use them very well, but not everyone is tech savvy like that. Uh, today, I received a non-disclosure agreement in a text file instead of a Word document. I had to convert that over, upload it to an electronic signature um, service provider and send it back to the client. Like, can you provide your electronic, sig electronic signature, please? You know, so I never know what I'm walking into with all different types of um, age groups. Um, a good friend of mine, he's a hip hop artist. He just turned 50 years old. He doesn't know how to use a computer, but he's also an educator. So, I have to show him how to use the computer and how to do these PowerPoint presentations for his class. He has all these great ideas. He just doesn't know how to execute them on a computer. Mm. I meet educators like that. On the, you know, that's part of my job, you know, and, and when I see them, I'm just curious. You know, because when I was a kid, and I tell teachers all the time, you know, when I was a kid, the VCR was the size of a small suitcase. And I, I played eight tracks and a little 45s that needed that little thing in the middle. But we're now teaching students who have 
no understanding of life before the internet. All they know for the most part is streaming and tablets and smartphones and that's their reality. And when, when I'm working with them, I'm trying to get them to understand that you are teaching a digital student. You are teaching a student whose worldview and experiences are far different than yours. So uh, sometimes there's interesting conversations when people are like, I want my, my pencil and paper. And I'm like, they're, they're not teaching pencil and paper kids. Not anymore. Um, my son is six. He'll be seven soon. I was talking to him at dinner one night about what my life was like at six years old. And he asked me that I have an iPad. And I told him iPads weren't around back then. And he said, well, were there dinosaurs? You know, and he was serious. So uh, we're definitely dealing with a different age of children. Like my son was using um, the iPad when he was two years old. He knew how to go on Netflix and pull up Curious George and he wasn't able to really talk that well. But he understood how to use tech. Yeah, no doubt. So before we go, what are some of the most important steps that an educator must take if they're going to begin thinking about working remotely? For an educator? Um, hmm. Well, they should definitely get familiar with and get comfortable with uh, creating PowerPoint presentations. Um, that's a critical component of teaching putting together a presentation with um, compelling images, stats, um, numbers are important, uh, incorporating video into those lessons as well, um, getting very comfortable with video chat. Um, right now we're chatting on Zoom, getting comfortable, getting comfortable with talking to people one-on-one -on -one through a computer or mobile device, that's important. Um, and, and just being flexible. I mean, not being in an office environment, um, and not having that type of structure is not easy for someone when that's all they know. So, um, it, it takes a bit of adapting to work remotely on a consistent basis, but I have only met a handful of people who complained about this lifestyle. You know, it's very rare that I hear someone say, I want to go back to the office. You know, some days um, I'll wake up and start my day, take my son to school or camp, and I still have on sweatpants and my comfortable clothing. And, and for me, I'm, and I'm really comfortable working that way, but some people still need to have that routine where they get up in the morning and they get dressed and they do all this other stuff. I really don't. So everyone has their own approach to working remotely. My good friend, Suze, she's a music consultant, um, also known as the rock star advocate. And she talks a lot about working remotely and how she transitioned into it. Um, she likes to take naps. <laughs> sometimes her nap is a half hour, sometimes it's four. 
you know, but her work schedule works for her. And I will add that working remotely has been great for my mental health. Um, I think I have social anxiety, you know, um, after a while of being around people, talking to people, giving people so much of my energy, I need to retreat into my own creative space, which is usually at home or in a cafe with my headphones on while I get my work done. You know, I don't get much work done when I'm around a whole bunch of people at the office. I just don't. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it at some point in time. I, I know this summer I was off, but, you know, I told the director of curriculum that, you know, I know they're going to be doing summer school, but, and if they needed anyone to do the, accounts and reset things i'm available and when i would get those those calls or or those emails it was like man i could do this for a living just being at home and enjoying myself you know watching mm-hmm. some some netflix episodes or you know if i do you know you say take the nap and when, when, when they ask for something, you know, make it happen. So that really got me excited going, I need to pursue this as a possible career option for me next. It was cool. Yeah, uh, you definitely should. If you did it and you enjoy it, why not? I know people that are working really hard to make that happen for themselves. My clients, they have day jobs and they have their small businesses on the side that they're just now launching and they're like, Hey, I kind of want to spend more time on my passion project. I want to make it a viable business, you know, and I always say go for it. But the first thing you want to do is secure your environment. Make sure you have enough finances to do that. You know, whether it's through your 401k or, a bank loan or whatever you can get a grant to invest in your business and make it happen. I'm making it sound a lot easier than it is, but it's not impossible. I see people do this every single day. That's all right. That's all right. Thank you, Tasha, for coming on the the show. Thanks for having me, Dr. Will. It's a great opportunity. You are welcome. Alhamdulillah. Now, people, you know how I do this. This podcast episode will be going on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Simplecast, and iHeartRadio. I need you to subscribe and follow, leave your ratings, share it with your folks, because your boy's trying to get Oprah on the show. And I want her to know that we're doing big things around here. Again, I would like to thank my guest, Tasha Digital, for coming on and dropping so many gems. I want to thank everyone for listening to the Dr. Will Show, the mobile university for entrepreneurs. As always, people, invest in you. EDU, peace.